Dad's podcast. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on ronanddonradio.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 257 now of the Ron and Don Show. And of course, we are live from the Les Schwab Studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, don't forget, a lot of you want to reach out to us right now because real estate, real estate, real estate, buying, selling, people are talking about it. And Ron, you just wrote a book that I think. 20 people just downloaded. Right? Yeah, it is a bestseller. I think that is the, uh, <laughs> the, what the it's like the Spokane uh, Gazette uh, top seller list. Uh, yeah, I wrote a book on selling. We can get that to you. Uh, we have a, a playbook for buyers, a playbook for sellers, because you really do need to know what you're doing and what strategy you're deploying to, to win in this market. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are just getting tossed around and, and uh, not being able to accomplish their goals. We will get you there. You can get that at ronandonsitdown.com or just email me directly, ron at windermere.com. Yeah. Hey, coming up uh, on the Ron and Don Show, we are going to introduce you to one of our mentors uh, and also uh, one of our favorite people in the world. And you've heard us talk about him before on this podcast. We call him 55. Uh, and 55 has an incredible background. In fact, how I got into cycling was 55. He was a race across America rider. They're called Ram Riders. Uh, he's also a world-class musician. He's played uh, with world-class musicians. And also, he is the head of the band for Paul Allen, God Rest His Soul, when Paul was still around. And his name is Gary Verrill, a very important person to us. Uh, he is also battling cancer right now, and he shouldn't be here to do this podcast. Well, says who? Because he's here. And I gave him an op- open invitation, and I said, hey, if you ever want to come on the podcast and just talk about things that you've been learning through the course of your life, uh, please come on. If you go back to episode 51, you'll hear about a phone call that I got from 55 uh, two years ago on New Year's Eve. And it's a phone call that I still have. It's a phone call that I won't erase. And I explain on episode 51 why I'm not going to erase it. So I encourage you to listen to episode 51. We come back. We'll introduce you to 55. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Started out right away with Don helping us look at the options. Like, here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house. I bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life. Don's listening skills were um, superior. Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well-prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide, their services, were it just made it easy. It was a laydown. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the, on the offer date for over asking price. We did 
amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> We were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show. Ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 257. We are here with Gary Verrill, uh, number 55. Why are you number 55? What, uh, is, what, what, what is 55 and it, what is the Ram race? It got assigned to me by Race Across America. It's my lifetime number. It's uh, my race number. Yeah. What, it, what is the Race Across America? Uh, it's a nonstop bicycle race from L.A. to New York or going west to east happens every year it's happening this year in june back when i did it in the 80s it was in august they tried to make it the hottest part of the year and stuff so it's just a great it's like going to the moon it's like a, an adventure like i can't hardly describe so what in the world would cause a human being to want to do that i don't know you know i i'm not an athlete but i i rode across country with my when my dad was alive with him uh following me in a little trailer just to ride across on a bike i was sitting on a tour bus i'm a musician and i saw some guys riding and i thought one day i want to do that i did it from seattle to portland maine and uh we only had a couple weeks to do it and at the time i didn't know that that was a pretty good time so i got there in 17 days on a schwinn bicycle and davidson bicycles from here in seattle call actually called me and said we'd like you to race for us in this race across america and they started building me frames and the rest is just took 10 years of my life to <laughs> do it yeah what what did you learn or what does one learn because i i did a ride with you once where i rode one mile and you rode a thousand miles but there's something like it's almost a meditation in a sense and i know you're probably not a meditator but you're rolling along and it's the only thing in the world yeah you, when you think of it that event is all about time and you have to spend every second of that race thinking about something because you're awake and, and it's a great intensive. I mean, this race happens over 10 days and it's like taking 10 years of your life, all the highest emotions, the lowest emotions, everything in between and crunching it into 10 days. What's the hardest thing about that race? And some people may not realize First three days of the race, you're not, you're not sleeping, you're riding, and you t- basically have a mobile community with you, yeah. and you're not allowed to really fellowship with other riders. So some people may think, well, you just pull up next to another rider, and, and then you guys draft off each other for six hours. It doesn't work that way in the race across America, at least when the wild world of sports was covering it, when I went back and I looked at some of your races. Yeah, we do a 100-mile parade start out of L.A. Imagine 100 miles before the race even starts. Mm. Then they drop the flag. And up over El Cajon Pass, you go and quickly separate, you know, the men and the boys kind of thing. 
And so you don't see anybody, you know, maybe once a day you'll, you'll see somebody that pass you or you pass them, but you're out there by yourself and you crew 11 people I had in three vehicles. So. Gary is wanting to test yourself just part of your DNA. Cause like when I think of, when I think of you or my version of you in my mind is you have these lanes, you know, cyclist, musician, father, friend, and you seem to enjoy putting things to the test, or am I am I reading that wrong? Yeah, it really wasn't about bicycles, but I, you know, there's the STP, and and I thought, well, I I don't want to do the STP. I want to go across the United States. I want to get it over with, kind of find out, because you do the STP, you'll be asking yourself, well, what else could I do? I want I want to go to the end first and just try that and see what I could do. But I'm not a macho kind of ego guy. I'm not competitive. It was more just, a, just I was curious, you know, kind of that kind of thing. I'm a very macho <laughs> guy, so I make up for that in, in our friendship. Uh, you're a great guy, Don. Do you remember? Do do thank you. Do you do you remember crossing the finish line for for the first time? And where was the finish line? And and what did that feel like after just 12 days on a bike to go all the way across America? You guys, that that that's insane. If you start doing the math on that. Yeah, it was 10 days, 5 hours, 27 minutes, and it was in Atlantic City on the boardwalk in the middle of the night, pouring rain, which was very dramatic. And I rolled up, and, and when ABC covered it, there was Diana Nyad and Jim Lampley, and there was all this stuff, and they'd stick microphones in your face. And my comment was, does anybody want a bike? And I just rolled my, <laughs> <laughs> I rolled my bike into the crowd, <laughs> and somebody took it. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, does anyone want a bike? Is, but my family was with me. It was, it was awesome, you know. Was there a takeaway? Well, yeah. I mean, a million of them, uh, Ron. I, I don't think there's a day that goes by in my life I don't think of something that helps me today that I learned back then. So, give, us, give us an example. Patience, uh, not quitting, of course, um, but just I think time is something I've been thinking about lately. And time obviously is in the race across America is a big deal. But now as we go through COVID, this is as I came here today, I wanted to bring something that I could maybe help people with. And time is something that we all deal with. And my dad taught me way back in the races and even before that time is the one constant we have and it's something it's your friend it's something we can count on because if you ever want to make a change in your life if you think about race across america for instance it's too big so so don't think about the whole thing you think about that day or the next hour or the next minute and uh break things down into small segments of time and that's how you get things done. You know, I, me- I remember one story. Actually, it's a cycling story, you guys. Uh, I don't think I ever told you this. I, was, I lived in Kent, and one of my rides was to go over I-90 and blew it past through Leavenworth and back Stevens, just like a training ride, you know. And I, got, I was coming down, blew it into Leavenworth, and I uh, had trouble with my bike. Went to work on it, and I wore contacts, but that day I had my glasses on because my eyes were irritated from the day before. And I stepped on my glasses and broke my glasses while I was working on my bike. And I was literally halfway, so I said, oh, I might as well keep going over Stevens. And it got dark, and that was my fastest time around that course because I couldn't see what was ahead. Mm. I could only see 10 feet. And I said, well, that's easy. <laughs> I can do that. 
And I got home late at night and and I looked at the clock and it was my fast. And so that, that gave me a lesson of if you don't think about the whole the whole goal, just think about the next ten feet or the next minute. And you can always get through that. Like a couple of times I wanted to quit in the race and my dad said, Well yeah, let's let's quit. But can you can you go give me fifteen more pedals? And I'd give him fifteen and he'd say, Can you do five more? <laughs> How about two more? And he says, oh, let's do another 15. Yeah. And obviously his ploy was, let's just keep going, you know. No. So, Did you, um, again, my perception of you, you have the highest pain tolerance of anyone I've ever known. Uh, is that a, a, a thing you got from Ram? I think so. I thought about if I was hot, if it was 120 degrees, I'd actually tell my mind, I was freezing <laughs> and the heat felt good. So if, if something, if my right knee hurts, like, like a spike going through, it kind of hurt. I would think about how good my left ear felt and I'd concentrate on that or my left hand. And you just literally, when you take pain pills, it isn't doing anything for the pain. It's, it was breaking on your mind. And so even with cancer treatments and whatever, I always think about what feels good on my body rather than where it hurts. Yeah. Talk so. to us about cancer and what you got. And, and I, I would say most doctors wouldn't think that you'd be here right now. And yet you're here right now. Yeah. Thank God for doctors, university of Washington, cancer care Alliance. These guys are, I just can't see enough about them. They gave me three months to live back in 2014. But then just like my dad, we, we'd come up with things that would, they actually came up with a special combination of treatments that hadn't been done for me. I have prostate cancer, but now it's bone cancer because it, it was metastasized before I even got diagnosed. So they're treating stage four bone cancer. But they came up with these combinations on me because I was so severe that they got approved to do. And he said, this will give you 18 months of life. And I said, great. And so from an 18 months come by, more research had been done. And I get another 18 months for a new protocol. And this is, nine, you know, 2014. So I just passed my seven-year diagnosis, which was April 19th. And I'm starting to feel that I'll just keep rolling along with these 18-month segments, you know. My numbers are climbing right now. And uh, he says when it gets to a certain threshold, which is probably my next visit, they're going to change protocols on me again, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um. What's up? What, what's this seven-year journey been like for you? Uh, and Wonderful. It's it's cancer is not something you're going to beat. Um, I don't want to. I admire people that fight it, but I've more uh, embraced it. Maybe an arm and arm kind of thing. Like, hello, this is cancer. Hello, Gary. And I said, well, you you want to come with me? It's going to be a <laughs> it's going to be a long. You might not want to come, but come along. You know, we'll do this together. And it's like everyone says, it changes the way you think about every day and about people you love. And it's I've been I'm the happiest I've ever been, I think, right now. Yeah. So you 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 made a, a phone call a couple of years ago on a on a New Year's Eve and you would share something on a voicemail. Uh and then just in some of the conversations that we've had since then. You and this is and this is no BS. 
in in some ways you you and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you feel like you have a leg up on everyone else because uh, none of us are ever going to get out of here alive. Nobody has, right? But you at least have some kind of idea of about how this story on planet Earth, how this chapter, how this chapter ends. Where I'm sitting here right now, and I don't know. I know same thing will happen at some point in the cycle of life here on Earth will be over for me, uh, but I don't exactly know what that looks like. Um, and you have a pretty good idea, and you see that as a good thing. Yeah, it's like a tap on the shoulder as you're living your life, kind of, like you said, not knowing. And a smart person like a doctor will say, oh, this is probably going to take you, and it might take this long. And so the difference is you start realizing how precious everything is i'm looking out your window here in the studio and seeing green trees and flowers and the spring blossoms and it's just all gets better it all gets more colorful and wonderful so when you talk about you've been thinking a lot about time is it that you are literally experiencing time differently so like when you get up and you're having a piece of toast or your your grandkid comes by is it that it literally is different now Literally, it is because I, the way it's designed, I think it's a genius design where we have 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of dark. All I'm thinking about is the 12 hours. And what am I going to do to this day that's going to be memorable or help somebody or, or not all positive stuff, but you just you have this little 10 hour, 12 hour window of time. And in the winter, I love the way it's designed where in the winter it gets colder, you don't have as much daylight. You get more sleep and you have as much, I don't know, I, I, it is true, Ron. I think about time very differently since Race Across America, but even more so since diagnosis. I came to see you uh, in a hospital. You were having an operation uh, before you, before I left. I asked if you needed anything and you were just sitting in bed. It was snowing outside. <laughs> you remember picking me up? Yeah. Picked you up. It was a hip operation replacement, and I it snowed the night before. Yeah. And I live on this long driveway, and I had to crawl under trees that had fallen up to up to the top of the driveway to get in your vehicle. I appreciate you picking me up, by the way. I dropped you off too. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you couldn't get out. Couldn't get out. Uh, that was fun. What was interesting to me is, is is if I was sitting in the hospital, and you and I had, had walked down, we sat on our couch, and and the conversation will. Well, we had we can keep private um yeah let's but i found it to be pretty awesome and helpful and then you went back to your room and i asked you you want the tv on nope <laughs> need your phone nope is your phone charged up nope my flip phone Do you want the way. paper nope you want a book nope <laughs> want something to eat yeah, you got something to eat? Dairy Queen. <laughs> I got some Dairy Queen and made some cherry pie. So uh, so we ate that. And then I said, what are you, what are you, what are you going to do? Because it was, it was midnight. And you said, I'm going to put my thinking cap on. Yeah. So you reached over and you put a cap on. You go, I'm going to put my thinking cap on, and I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to think. Um. Uh, Tell us about your thinking cap and the ability to just sit there and think when the rest of us reach for screens and television shows and, and, and things to keep us busy and away from the anxiety 
of sitting in a hospital knowing that we've been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Well, there it is again. I think it's time. It's 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 only when you ask me the stuff that I start really thinking about what I thought about. But it's I know that night, yeah, I made a I made a list of all the things I was thankful for, and there's a ton, you know. And you spend an hour doing that, and it, the list gets pretty long. And I I think it's Ron, like you said, you you stop thinking about what's hurting and what feels good. Basically, that's that's what I was doing. Thinking about the next day. Who I was going to see, what I was going to do. Yeah. Let's talk more on the other side of this. Today's show is made possible by your friends, Ron and Don, licensed realtors with Windermere Midtown. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode uh, 257. We're talking to... Uh, one of our best friends, we call him uh, 55, Gary Barrels here, Ram Rider. Cancer, and I can't say fighter. What do you say? Cancer? Partner. Partner. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I learned something today. A cancer partner and also a world-class musician. One thing that I learned, because uh, I've played instruments with Gary a few times, and he's been kind enough to actually play the piano one Christmas and let my son play the trumpet. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. And just as officially on the record, thank you for all the hours of horrible guitar playing and singing <laughs> that you had to listen to Not with you guys. Oh, you come guys on. are great. No, it's, it had to be nailed on a blackboard no. for you for years. It was sincere. That's all I asked. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your music career. And I know the one thing that makes you mad is when people come up to you and say, you're so lucky. You're so <laughs> gifted. You're like, you know what? Gifted? Gifted. Well. Do you know how long I've played the piano since <laughs> I was a little boy each and every day? How many hours a day? Because uh, yeah. uh, you, you had a real work ethic uh, when it came to playing the B3 organ and when it came to playing the piano and keyboards in general, right? Yep. And I was gifted. I, you know, I know what they're saying. I came out with this thing. Music just made sense. But you, you got to do something with it you got to go to school and you got to you know keep at it some guys don't these days they just <laughs> right what in your mind was your did you have a big break in air quotes yeah america's america searches for what was it called abc votes for tomorrow's stars 1979 santa monica auditorium it's like the american idol of the star search we were the first show i think john ritter hosted it and we won, me and the singer. And that we were brought to Hollywood and offered the world after that. We went on Mike Douglas' show and the Merv Griffin show and Johnny Carson show. And, and I learned about all that. Did you feel outclassed or when you met these no. session players, you're like, I, I can hang with these guys? Well, the orchestra threw me, Nelson Riddle Orchestra. I had to arrange a piece of music for the show with the orchestra and remember my first rehearsal i'd never done anything like that and i'd written the oboe part in the wrong key and those hollywood guys let you know when you're a rookie <laughs> when you're a rookie they play it twice as loud <laughs> and I, I wanted to fall through the floor but nelson riddle i mean here's the story so nelson riddle was sitting there and didn't appreciate what the orchestra did to me to embarrass me she says why don't you come over to the house tonight we'll we'll work on this together and I went over to Nelson Riddle's house 
and his wife had dinner and he helped me learn how to write oboe <laughs> and, we, and we won the show the next night so and then was there a moment where you were starstruck when you met i remember you telling me a story I, not to name drop but like you're telling me a story about like you met michael mcdonald one time and yep. like we don't need to go into specific but it was like was there a moment where you're like holy cow i'm a kid from maine and here i am with this situation working with paul allen was the the night of the living stars. I mean, oh my gosh, every time you show up, there was these people and you'd never had a clue where you're going or what ship you were going to be on. Or, and you'd walk in and there's the Rolling Stones sitting there and Paul McCartney. And that was just nonstop, you know, and I was in. How did that happen with, with Paul Allen and, and, and tell us, cause, cause when Paul was alive, uh, there were a lot of things about Paul that he wanted to keep quiet yep. uh, and show respect uh, and how, was he a decent guitar how did, player? How did how did how did you how, how did you silently end up uh, kind of being the the band leader for for the late Paul Allen? I I wasn't know if I was the leader. I know I was his friend, and uh, he leaned on me a lot. Um, I was innocently minding my own business here in Seattle, and I got a call at my office from one of his people and said Paul would like to get to know you and have you help him with his music stuff and i said that sounds great and the guy said well you need to be at boeing field in 35 minutes <laughs> I said, what's today literally and i and the guy's been through this a million times you know because when paul wants something he just picks up the phone and he says i suggest you call your wife and maybe talk to your boss and ask them what they think about what i just told you and they both said yes you should go and i got to the plane before paul and it's just he and i on that first flight over to france and I had to tell my wife, I, I wanted to tell her where we're going and when I'll be home. And they said, you can't, like you said, they, they, you wouldn't, I wasn't able to say anything. They said, we're not going to tell you. So I got on this plane flight or this jet flight with Paul. And because I wasn't able to sign, wasn't able, I didn't sign NDAs and stuff. I, w I asked all the wrong inappropriate questions over those nine hours. And we got to be really good friends. <laughs> <laughs> and it stayed that way the whole time. Yeah. So it was awesome. Yeah. So so he he passed away at a very young age. Yeah. Facing cancer yourself. Do you do you look at what happened with Paul and he fought and he fought and he fought and he fought? Well, the scary part is we all know now that all the money in the world can't save you. Yeah. You know, I mean, if anybody could buy his way out of that fix, it would be Paul, and uh, he just can't. So, yeah, that sticks with me. Yeah. What do you? What do you? What do you? Because you did get close to him. What do you miss about him? I, I I wished he was still alive because I. It's only after he's been gone that I cherish our relationship, and I think we were better friends than I realized. I miss. He was a kind person, and he was. I think the last thing on earth for him to conquer was music. And I explained to him so many times that you have to have this gift that Ron talks about. I mean, at some point you have to be given some ability and, and Paul really wasn't, but yet he worked with all his money and all the King's horses to get better and better and better. And yes, at times he could nail that Jimi Hendrix stuff pretty well. Yeah. So. He was a good, he was a good trier. So. Really good, and I appreciate that about him. You know, he didn't have to humble himself, yeah. you know, to learn, but he did. So, are there 
tr- and, and you don't have to answer this if it's off the record or it can't be answered, but like, are there tracks of U2 or Paul McCartney or the Stones where oh, yeah. you guys are just jamming and it's on tapes every day? I mean, we he had a cast and a group that was he had engineers and these SSL boards and these studios on every property that he owned, including all the yachts. And like I said, I, that first day I walked in, Ron. And I walked, I didn't even know what my job was. I, he just asked me to come, you know, and I was the, the MD or whatever. And I came up and there's Eric Clapton sitting and there's all these people that, and I'm so embarrassed to say this, but one of the guys, I didn't rec, I didn't know who he was, but I recognized him. I said, that's somebody I know. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> that's somebody. And so I was in charge and I said this, and this tradition remained for the whole time I was with Paul. They made fun of me at first, but it was kind of a cool thing. So I said, first thing we're going to do is introduce ourselves to each other so I could learn who this guy was. <laughs> and so I turned to Eric Clapton and said, I'm Gary. What's your name? He said, I'm Eric. <laughs> and we went around the room and the guy didn't know was Ron Wood from the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I'm Ron. I'm Prince. I'm, oh my gosh. And then, yeah, the last story. Paul That's at the hilarious. Super Bowl introduces me to Prince as he introduces me. He says, this guy, Gary, is the greatest musician in the world. <laughs> and Prince is looking at me going, oh, really? Wow. <laughs> how, did you, how, did you, how did you look? Because you do something that a, lo- a lot of people can't do. You, you can play multiple keyboards. You can play the grand piano. You can play the B3. And as you're playing the B3, you can play all the bass pedals, wow. uh, which you don't see. A lot of people do how did did you learn to do that by playing that because that b3 what's the history of the b3 is that a, is that a church it's organ a blues instrument now it, it yeah hammond created that to be in homes and churches and then leslie speaker came along and created this rotating speaker and they married each other and the rest is what we've all heard for our history of music rock and roll and blues and so the b3 is kind of a gospel instrument and of course, piano, you know, I took classical piano for years and years, a couple of decades. And so to marry those two together is kind of unique. And I had a friend that used to say, I'd, I'd, I'd have, I played white music with my right hand and black music with my left hand on the B3 <laughs> at the same time. And so I don't know, Don just came natural. But I love groups like Tower of Power and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Who's the best, the, the, who's the best musician? We may have heard, may have not have heard. Who's the best musician that you think you ever played with? Best pianist that you've probably not heard of is Philip Auberg. Just listening to him on the way here as a Wyndham Hill guy. Uh, I wandered into a theater to meet George Winston one day over Montana, and I was going to show up for his sound check and just say hello, and he wasn't there, I thought. But they just tuned his piano, so I went up on stage and started noodling around on his piano, and I played for an hour waiting for George to show up, and I got done. I was going to go home, and George starts clapping. He was in the balcony the whole time listening to me, and he goes, he yelled down, he goes, you play like Philip Auberg, and I had never heard the name, but since then I've learned about Philip, and he's the piano player I try to emulate the most. I don't know, there's, there's guys out there that some of the Steely Dan stuff and some of the, some of that stuff just leaves me going, man, how did they create that did you find that when don and i were in radio uh, the, the usually the bigger the star 
the kind of the cooler they were. It was sort of the yeah. B and the C level people that were sort of a pain. But like if you're Eric Clapton, who you mentioned or whatever, most of the time, did you find that to be true? Like that they, they, they had a road to get where they were. Yeah. And once they're there, they don't really want to talk about the, the, the B and C guys are always clamoring for the attention and Eric and Peter Gabriel and all these guys you want to meet, just, they want to talk about family and, uh, food and all that kind of stuff which i loved you know and so it was i'm i'm the same way i i don't want to i love music but it's not who i am it's it's just something i do yeah let's take it back to this story yep. uh ron and i met you we were all just volunteering to, uh to help kids yep and we played in this band together and as Ron alluded to, Gary would cover a multitude of sins, <laughs> um, especially with me and my shuffle beat, right? You just cover that up. And Gary can jump in and sing. He could do it. He could do anything and make anyone sound good. It was fun. Yeah. So, so, so out of that, uh, I went over to your house one day and just hanging from the rafters of your garage were all these Davidson bicycles. I'd never heard of a Davidson bicycle. <laughs> You had this crazy orange van that had all kinds of lights and whistles and sirens and bike racks on it. There were somewhere between a dozen, over a dozen bikes, maybe 16 bikes at, at one point that you had hanging in your garage. And my birthday was coming up and we said, you know what we should do? Uh, and this is your suggestion. We should get on. We 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 should we should jump on a ferry. We'll take we'll take three of my bikes. Yep. And Ron can ride one. Don, you. I'm in my 20s at this time. I'm 54 now. So this would have been like 30 years ago. It's crazy. So we went and we did something called called Paint the Tank. Uh, Orcas Island. Yeah. What was Paint the Tank? And do you remember the first ride uh, going out Mount Constitution with us, where you rode and and we mostly walked our bikes. I remember. Paint the tank was what oh, we did that three or four times. It was a water tank up there that all the kids painted, like the high school graduating class would put their logo on it, and and we painted it up that day with "Happy Birthday, Dawn," and it was just kind of a thing we made up. And then yeah, we rode up Mount Constitution a few times. I do need to say because it's the only time in my life it's ever happened. I think I beat you to the top of the mountain. That's the one and only time you, you did that I, I, I've, that I've on, ever done that on our first ride. We we didn't realize it. And, and you, Gary, oh. used to play at Rosario's, and we when he was training for the race across America, he would just ride up and down Mount Constitution. <laughs> and for those who don't know. Uh, what is the pitch on Mount Mount Constitution? Twelve percent or something, you know, maybe a little more. It's yeah. no joke. I think it's twelve to fourteen percent, and it's it, it, switchbacks. Yeah, it's, and it's five miles up. So Gary gives us these bikes. We get on these bikes, and I'm the first one to go down. Uh, really, Ron is ahead of me, uh, and then I see him at some point. He's walking his bike. Gary's kind of amazed that we're not just riding these bikes up Mount Constitution when we've never ridden bikes before. <laughs> we have never ridden bikes, let alone up Mount Constitution. I know. So anyway, I am pissed. I am so He's like, hey, we get up there, picnic table. We'll have lunch. Uh, it'll be by the time we get up there. I think Gary ate all three lunches and he was ready to go back down. And I am madder than a hornet. I was so pissed off. So. I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple of months later, I said, you know what we should do next year? We should go paint the tank again. So <laughs> at this time, Gary had loaned me a bike, so I'm riding one of his, his Davidsons. 
Uh, I didn't tell Ron that I was training, and I went into this training. And so the second year that we went <laughs> for months, you're training behind my back. No, for in it, secret. So so we get halfway up, and I'm actually able to ride my bike halfway up. And Gary's like, "Huh, hmm, interesting." Then Gary took off. I didn't walk my bike. I made it to the top, but I beat Ron. I just want to say, nice third third year, and then there's a year where we ride motorcycles. That was the fourth year. The right. third year. <laughs> The third year, I am going up to Mount Constitution by myself. I am not telling anyone this, and I'm suggesting that we should all go paint the tank again. And Gary's like, yeah, that would be fun. And we Ron's did. like, I'm out. I know what's going on here. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. Ron's like, I know what's going on here. So so anyway, the, the third year, we start riding. We get halfway. And at the halfway point, there's a, there's a place where Gary would stop and wait, and he would ride in a circle. Do you remember that? Yeah, riding in the circle? Yep. So this time he only circles twice and I'm right there. Right I'm like, there. Oh, 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 it's like that. So anyway, he was kind enough to slow down and let me ride uh, up Mount Constitution with you. I think you beat me. You let me beat you. No. Yes, no. <laughs> yes, 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 you did. No. You let me beat So anyway, we get to the top of the mountain. We sat at that picnic table. I drove up. I'm you, the you, smart one. You were, yeah. And the, then the following year, we go up on motorcycles. That was the time where the, David, David Koresh, right? Yeah, Waco was burning down that day. That day. And we heard that on our uh, motorcycles and radios and everything else. Yeah. So fast forward been a to, good, today, to today. To today. Been a good life. It's been a good life. Uh, I have tried riding my bike across America a number of times. I do have one world record. Gary told me the way you get a world record is do something that nobody else is <laughs> crazy enough to do and they won't challenge it. And you got a world record. That's right. So I rode my bike all the way from Cowspell, Montana, all the way down to the tip of Texas along the Salmon River. Uh, Gary showed up on that ride with his son and he brought me some Gary Queen, which is really cool. And I've shared that uh, story before. You call me last year. You said you had something for me, and you took me out to basically, uh, it's like a barn shed, and and you rolled something out. Do you remember what you rolled out and, and, my, and what you gave me? My most beautiful bike I've ever owned, the purple Davidson 56-centimeter, and it, oh, they had it all lettered up with ultramarathon cycling and all this stuff, and I, I wanted you to have that because... Uh, it's just sitting in my, I, I don't ride anymore. And I wish I could, but I don't, and I know you do. So it's yours. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you, you gave me your last bike. It's your last Davidson yeah. that you have. And then you gave me a picture and it's a picture I'd never seen before. And it, it's, it's hanging in this room right now. Do you remember the picture? Was that my constitution? That was my constitution. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I said, I wrote on the picture, don't give up or something. Or, you did. Yeah. yeah. And, it's good stuff. And what's crazy is the purple and the blue bike are the two bikes that I used to train on when I used to ride with you yeah. 30 years ago. Up in Montana. And, yeah. yeah. And then to, and then to, to, to give me uh, that bike, I was very, very touched by that. So, Well, I'm touched by it, that it gets to go to someone who would love it as much as, much passion as you have. So it yeah. works out. Yeah. So did we get to everything you wanted to say? Because I know before we started recording, you said, I've been thinking about time. I've been thinking about cycling. I've been thinking about music. I've been thinking about you guys. Well, I haven't talked about my wonderful wife, Signe. Um, all these things I'm telling you about, you don't do them alone. And uh, she's. we've been married 27 years. We've had five children, two of hers before. She was married before. 
And then we've had three younger ones, and I just can't say enough about her and what a wonderful time it's been being with her and uh, how much she's helped me with. I'm not the easiest guy to live with, you know. Um, I'm passionate. I have my ups and downs, and uh, I don't go, I don't have an eight-to-five job. We've bought this beautiful estate log home back when I was, there was a time in my life I was making money from every direction it seemed like and uh we we afforded this beautiful home which since i've had to fight for to keep but now we're empty nesters and uh she and i are working together for the first time we we've decided to because because of you don we kind of talked about vrbo and what might be nice to do and we headed down that road and now we've we're working at we've named our place cedarwood lodge and it's out in north of woodenville out in the wine country and we're just starting to take uh, people People come. And we had a dinner about a month ago for Signe's best friend who was dying of pancreatic cancer. And we hosted a dinner where we said, you can't go to a hotel and you can't travel. Well, come to our place. We're going to outfit it like a bed and breakfast. And we, we served them dinner. And that whole idea spawned putting on events and dinners and we've done a few and we're just starting what I think is going to be a new chapter for me and her and something we can do till forever. And I wish she was here so I could introduce her, but my wife, Signe is uh, a lot of the reason I'm so happy. Yeah. So before we get out of here, tell us more about the lodge. And if people are listening, uh, this is a way that they could have a spectacular event. And then I love the fact, on a, on a personal note, I know this is something that's going to help you and your family. So, uh, so talk talk about that a little bit. And you may even be lucky enough to get Gary because he's a piano in the middle of the lodge. Maybe he'll come play for you, man. We put on a dinner the other night, and it was great. And everybody had a great time. And Signe turned to me at the end and said, "The only thing that was missing, we need a we need because I'd move my grand piano out of the living room just to make more room." And she goes we got to get a piano back in there because that's going to be the thing that makes it special. So, yes, you're right. I think if anybody comes out there for a wedding or an event or a corporate dinner or a business meeting or we have an outdoor space with campfires, it's just a beautiful six-acre property out there. Is that that same grand piano you've been calling us to lug around this (laughs) universe like 25 times? Yeah, it's a nine-foot Estonia grand. Ah, I got to move the grand. Get down here. Yeah, it is, Javon. It's sitting now in my basement, but uh, I'll probably get a smaller one for this venue. And what can I tell you, Ron? We're we're new at it, so it's we just want people. We want to share this place because we've had a wonderful life there, and uh, we and Signe's an awesome designer and host, and I do what I do, and so it should be a good visit for anybody who think comes. about going to like if you wanted to go to like a really cool camp for adults. This would be the kind of really cool camp that you would go to, and there's an opportunity where people can even can even stay there. So how how many how many people could you accommodate if you were having a party or a wedding venue? How many people can you accommodate? Yeah, I think if we sleep ten or twelve adults, and there's even bunk bunk places for kids to stay, and and we could even make more room if we have to. So. But right now it's set up. The main level is set up as an event center with wedding stuff and. Uh, like I say, corporate dinners and can private we give dinners. out the website? Yeah, I guess I think it's brand new, but Cedarwood Lodge dot com. 
cedarwoodlodgewa.com. I hope I got that right. <laughs> I hope so, too, because <laughs> we just put it out there. All right. Thanks. Cedarwoodlodgewa.com. I didn't know we were going to promote the, the budding business, but I appreciate it. Yeah. So if you're thinking about just having a retreat, people at your church, this would be great. If you're thinking about having a retreat with some people at the office, and they have a huge outdoor space, you guys. And you can do fire. You can light a fire, do some oars, play guitars. Uh, we did that the other night. It was a lot of fun. And then it inside, and I'm not overselling this, and Ron and I see a lot of real estate. We've looked at a 1,000 homes this year. There's nothing like it. It is, it is a log cabin that is so special. And, and when the guy built this log cabin, it was literally log by log. Yeah, it? one guy put it up and he, he had Douglas fir logs that he hauled onto the property and let them sit for a year to season them or whatever they have to do. And then he and his dad built a winch and put this thing together. <laughs> yeah, cedarwoodlodgewa.com. And as soon as people find out about it, uh, I kind of want to book it now. Yeah, you won't feel good. <laughs> come out. We'll talk talk music and yeah. and all that. Let's do this at, at the end of this broadcast, and we'll just have to explore and see if we can do this. Would there be a way to play some of some of Gary's music at the end of this? Because yeah, I know we can figure it out. Because I know there's things that we run into as far as no, I'll figure it. Out. I'll get I'll get a track from you. Okay, send me a hot track, Viral. Right. I'm We're, just doing a record right now for a gal in Montana. I'll send you those tracks. Uh, she's a violin player. And I'm producing her record. She's 17 years old, and uh, I'll bring you the stuff we've been working on. Okay, sounds good. All right, we'll play it. Uh, we'll give you the, the the final thoughts here. Hey, uh, I've I've changed since you know when I met these guys. We were all going to take on the world, and and life happens, and you get happier and you get better. And talking about this lodge, one of the things I look to forward to the most is meeting people. So I really would love people to come and I'd sit and talk to you about all the things we've talked about today and more. So my wife's t- taught me how to love people. <laughs> and so, uh, that's who I am these days. Well, I, I love you, Gary Barrow. Yeah. Well, that's, I know it's sincere. I love you, Ron, both you guys. Yeah, we We're you, the Ron. team, right? Yep. Team time. Team time. Yeah, this is a good team time today. Hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by listening to the Ron and Don Show, episode 257. If you want to hear about the phone call that Gary made to me, uh, go back to episode 51, because that's when I introduce you to 55. And you can look online, The Race Across America, Wide World of Sports, number 55. And that's our friend, uh, Gary Verrill. And at the end of this, stay tuned to listen to some of his music because he is very humble about how great he is and he would just rip your face off. He is so good. He is that good. Gary, thanks for being here. Love Thank you. you. Guys. Yeah. Care about you. Love Signy. And guys, one more time on, on, on the website, we really want you, if you're thinking about needing a venue to do something on the other side of COVID, uh, we really like you to uh, check out this property, and we'll get some pictures up on our Facebook page. Cedarwoodlodgewa.com. I'll put that in the uh, in the show notes. There you go. Thanks, Ron. All right. Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. Here's my son to take us out, and we'll see you next time only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.